Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hey everyone, I'm Jeff, one of the pastors at Salt Church. Great to have you here with us. Uh, great if you're tuning in online as well. Welcome to you. Um, let me just add my encouragement to come along to Salt Today. Uh, partly because I'm organizing it, so I want everyone to be there. But more to the point, because I think with COVID, with the isolation that we've had over the last two years, we haven't been able to spend much time together as a church family. Salt Stay is the perfect opportunity to do that, to just get a lot of time together, to have a lot of fun together. It's been hard to come by fun over the last two years. Uh, A lot of great time together, getting to know each other, meeting new people, definitely worth coming along to. It's pretty inexpensive compared to previous years. 50 bucks for food from breakfast till dinner uh, and all sorts of activities. So it's good to come along to. Um, Let me pray and then we'll jump into Matthew. Father God, we pray that as we look at your word now, please speak to us. Please help us to understand how you want us to live and how you see religion and tradition and spirituality, Lord. Amen. Well, let me show you a few pictures of Jesus. Uh, You've got the lovely Jesus, pretty loving, pretty gentle, embracing, arms open, ready to welcome you. You've got the humble Jesus, there washing disciples' feet, humble guy. You've got buddy Jesus. He's your mate. He's your good friend. Now, what do these pictures of Jesus have in common? There's nothing offensive about them. There's nothing provocative about them. This is an acceptable and tame Jesus. And it's the opposite of the Jesus that we meet in Matthew. Jesus had a run-in with the Pharisees. And have a look what happens in verse 12. Grab that passage open. We're going to work our way through it. Have a look in Matthew 10, Matthew 15, verse 12. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. That is something that buddy Jesus would never say. Jesus' message offends, and Jesus is okay with that fact. Jesus' message is that if you want to be right with God, Jesus is the only way. Don't try tradition or religion or spirituality. All human traditions and religions and spiritualities are utterly useless. Far from pleasing God, they insult God. Far from dealing with the problem, they only go skin deep. And if you want to find people who are not accepted by God... One of the best places to look for them is in a church. If that's not offensive, I don't know what is. It's so different to what our culture says, isn't it? Because in our culture, our beliefs are personal, they're private. So who am I or Jesus to say that they're wrong? And wrong is kind of the, the wrong word. It's not about whether they're wrong. It's more about whether they work for you. If they help you be a better person, then they're good. But to say that all of them are useless and insulting to God, that just seems really unfair, doesn't it? Many people are really sincere in their beliefs, and they're good people. And we know these people. Here are some of the people I went to university with. Uh, Some of these people are in this picture. The people I went to uni with, Ronnie was a Muslim. Rohan was an atheist. Rob was a Jehovah's Witness. Joe was a Hindu. Marchin was this fun-loving agnostic. 
Therese was Coptic Orthodox, Nicole was Catholic Buddhist, and Holly was a spiritualist. This kind of diverse group of people. Uh, that's what they said at the time. I don't know if that's what they'd say anymore. But generally, this, this diverse group of us, we got on fine. There, there was really only two things that caused conflict between me and these people when I was at uni. The first thing was uni group assignments. And the second thing was when I tried to share the offensive message of Jesus. So why does Jesus say it? It's not an easy claim to make. It's not an easy claim to believe. It's not an easy claim to defend. But if it's true, it changes everything we thought we knew about tradition and religion and spirituality. Here's Jesus running with the Pharisees. Have a look at verse 1. Matthew 15, verse 1. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, if you're like me, we hear that and we focus on the didn't wash hands bit. Uh, We're in a pandemic. We've been washing our hands 20 times a day at the moment, you know. Uh, But that's not what the Pharisees are concerned about. They're not concerned about hygiene. Because it took until about the 1860s for humans to understand germs and that washing hands would get rid of germs. So it can't be that. The Pharisees are concerned with ritual or symbolic cleanliness before God. And that's why Jesus says what he does in verse 19. Have a look, verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person... But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. This is about how to be clean before God, not defiled. How to be right before God, not rejected. How do you be accepted by God? The Pharisees' answer is to do the right rituals. Verse 2, it's to keep the traditions of the elders. What are they? What is the traditions of the elders? When the Old Testament, God told ancient Israel how to please him how to be spiritually clean before him. He gave them laws to show them how to please him. And over the centuries, the elders of Israel tried to clarify those laws and and how do they apply to particular situations. And that became the tradition of the elders. And the Pharisees guarded and passed on and made sure people kept those traditions. That's what they're doing here. They're making sure Jesus and his disciples keep those traditions. And they were very sincere and serious about this task. To give you a sense of how seriously the Pharisees took this task of guarding this tradition, in the second century, all this tradition was written down in a book called the Talmud in the second century. Uh, Jews still read this book, the Talmud. Uh, The Bible has about 800,000 words. It's a lot of words. It's a long book. 800,000 words in the Bible. The Talmud has got two and a half million words. It's more than three times as long as the Bible. This shows us that the Pharisees were committed to their beliefs. They believed that keeping the traditions of the elders is how you would please, be clean before, be accepted by God. Being religious, doing the traditions is how to be right with God. And they were sincere about this. And Jesus says to them, you are sincerely wrong. Look in verse 2. Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, 
And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus is saying that human traditions cannot make us right with God. And do you see how he unpacks these traditions and their religion? The Pharisees are talking about the tradition of the elders. This is solid. This is tested. It's been here for centuries. It's the elders' tradition. And Jesus says, no, it's not. It's your tradition. Verse 9, he says, it's human rules, human inventions. The opinions of people are being treated as equal to the words of God. Worse, they're being treated as greater than the words of God. The Pharisees break the commandments of God to keep their traditions. It gives one example here with parents. It's obvious how God wanted ancient Israel to treat their parents. To honor them, to respect them, to provide for them. They birthed you, they raised you. You're duty-bound to care for them. Especially in the first century, there's no government support, there's no Medicare, there's no pension. The only one who would care for the parents are the kids. But the Pharisees come up with this really clever way to cancel that law from God. Look in verse 5, here's the way they cancelled it. You say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honour their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of traditions. So picture a Jew, ancient Jew in the first century, they just got a pay rise. Instead of using that money to help their parents who are in real need, if they said that money is devoted to God, then their parents can't touch it. Instead of using that money to care for their family, they give it to the temple. Which seems kind of good, doesn't it? They're they're generous, they're giving it away to the temple. But they've missed something massive here. They've missed that God wants us to give to his work and to care for our family in need. God wants both of those things. Plus, we know about the Pharisees, because Jesus tells us, they impressed people by showing off just how much they were giving to the temple. They made a big show of how much they were giving. And also, how big a gap is allowed between saying something's devoted to God and actually giving it to God? Can you let it sit in your account for a little bit, earn a bit of interest, keep the interest? What if your car breaks down? I don't know if that happened in the first century. What if your car breaks down? Surely you need access to that money. This is how the Pharisees got around the commandment of God. It looks like they're going above and beyond. They're sincere, they're serious. It looks like they're worshipping, they're honouring, they're pleasing God. Here's Jesus' verdict, verse 8. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. These are utterly useless. If you tried to get to Mount Everest wearing just a t-shirt and shorts, you have more chance, you're more likely to succeed than if you try and get right with God by following human traditions. Human traditions cannot make us right with God. They only insult God. It's worship in vain, which is a real problem because we love 
tradition. It's almost Easter, a few weeks ago. Uh, there's all these traditions that people have at Easter time. People give up things for Lent, uh, like giving up meat or giving up chocolate or chocolate-covered meat. People give up all sorts of things for over Easter. Uh, and I've been asking people lately, what are your traditions? Just, you know, as I run into people in the street or sell, you know, buy my groceries or whatever. I've been asking people, what are your traditions? And if you want to start a good conversation, ask that question. People love sharing about their traditions. Uh, This is what I do on my birthday. I eat this at Christmas. Before I play sport, I got this special routine. Uh, On this particular day, I always go to the mosque or the synagogue or a church. And as I talk with people, they had spiritual traditions too. Your religions that they connect with or spiritual practices they do to feel closer to God. And I could tell that people cared about them, that they were meaningful to them. I love tradition. I got to have lots of traditions. I come later and I'll teach you my song. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with these traditions, except if we start to believe that God is pleased by our traditions. God is not pleased by human traditions and religion and spirituality. God is not worshipped by human traditions and religions and spirituality. He's insulted when we treat our ideas as if they're his ideas. The Pharisees were busy pleasing God by doing what they wanted God to love, not what God actually loves. They didn't do what God said, they did what they wished God had said. And we worship God in vain if we worship God like that. If we don't worship God how he wants to be. It's a little bit like the book Five Love Languages. Um, I don't know if you've read this book. If you haven't, let me tell you about it. The idea of this book is that different people give and receive love in different ways. Five ways. They give and receive love by words of affirmation, by quality time, by gift giving, by acts of service like, you know, cleaning the house for someone, and by physical touch. These five different ways that people prefer to receive love and and give love. And the problem comes when your preferred way of showing love is different to your friend's or family's way of receiving love. Your preferred way of showing love is different to the way that they receive love. So let me give you an example. One friend loves quality time, but their friend is busy doing acts of service for them instead of spending time with them. Now, they're doing this to love that person, but this person feels uncared for and neglected because there's a mismatch. Does that make sense? Well, here's another one. Uh, Someone loves affirming words, but their family loves to give them a gift with no card. This person couldn't care less about the gift. It's all about the card. You see this mismatch that happens. So what we need to do, we need to ask people how they want to receive love So we can show love how they prefer to receive it, not how you prefer to give it. There you go, a free bit of relationship advice snuck in here. It's kind of like that with God though. God tells us how to love him. And so it's presumptuous, a a little bit arrogant, for us to tell God how he will be pleased. This is what I want to give. You should be happy to receive it. That doesn't fly in relationships with humans How much less with the living almighty God who made us? It's insulting to not even listen to what God has to say about worshipping God. And it's worse than that. It's not simply that as humans we don't pause to ask God what he wants. It's much worse than that 
It's that human traditions and religions and spiritualities aren't even trying to be for God. They aren't even driven by love of God. Most of the time, we do them for us. We keep these traditions so that we feel good about us. It reminds me of the way charities have changed their angle, the the pitch they get to, to motivate you to give money. They used to say, when I was a kid, they used to say, give money because there's people in need and you can really help them. Now I hear charities say, give money because you'll feel really good about yourself. It's like that. We're often busy with our religion and our spirituality so that we feel like better people, so that we feel closer to God. We say that it's for God, but a lot of time it's for us. And the verdict of Jesus is verse 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Human traditions cannot make us right with God. They only insult God. And whether you're sincere about it, as hard as it is to say, whether you're sincere about it, that's irrelevant. The Pharisees were sincere. They were sincerely wrong. Uh, When I was 20, I left home first time for work, moved up to Newcastle. And I was struggling, it's fair to say. I was struggling with the whole cook and clean my plates and wash my clothes and then iron my clothes. And I was like, did my parents really do all of this for me for like 20 years? I remember talking to a colleague named Kim at Easter time. And she asked me, what are you going to eat for Good Friday? She knew I was a Christian. What are you going to eat for Good Friday? I think for some reason she had the mistaken belief that I planned my meals instead of hoping that magically food would appear in the fridge, uh, which rarely it did, except it was my housemates. And then everybody was winning. Uh, But I said to her, I don't know, steak. And she's like, steak? You can't eat steak at Easter. You're meant to eat fish. I thought you were a Christian. I don't think God will be happy with you eating steak. This conversation, it just has always stuck with me because it, it seems so respectful. It's so sincere. Kim did this every year. She only ate fish at Easter time every year. But as far as I can tell, that was the only time of the year that Kim ever thought about God. Human traditions can't make us right with God. They actually insult God. That's the first problem with them. The second problem is that they don't deal with the heart of the problem. But before I go there, I reckon some of us Christians who are here at the moment, we are cheering because we hate tradition. Salt is like the least traditional church ever. A bunch of us joined Salt because it wasn't like the churches we used to go to with all the rituals that made no sense. We're meeting in a warehouse. I'm standing on a pallet. This is not traditional. It's important to see, though, if this is you, you have traditions. All of us do. And we need to check our traditions against the Bible to see if God is pleased by them or if we've set our traditions and our beliefs above the Word of God. I tried to do that this week. I've been looking at the traditions. I think the holiday song is still good. But I've been looking at the traditions, my traditions this week. And I'll give you one of them I've been thinking about. Reading the Bible. People have encouraged me since I was a young Christian to try and read the Bible every day because it'll help me grow. So I've got traditions about how I do that, what I read, how long I read for, how I read. And my focus is so often on keeping my traditions, hitting my goals, ticking it off. And it gets in the way of the reason I set up those traditions in the first place. God never told me to set up these traditions. I set them up to help me read the Bible so I can enjoy and please God. 
That's what God wants me to do. Read the Bible to enjoy and please God. I've got traditions that help me do it. But sometimes they get in the way of the whole reason I set them up in the first place. Let me encourage you if you're a Christian, do this exercise this week. Think about your traditions and whether you're setting them up above the word of God. But come back to Jesus. The first problem with traditions is they can't make us right with God. They insult God. The second problem is that they can't change hearts. Have a look in verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. The problem is inside, Jesus says. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Look at verse 15. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them for out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false testimony slander these are what defile a person but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them Uh, same thing back in verse 8 have a look in verse 8 again these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me it's all about the heart that's the problem and Human traditions and religions and spiritualities can't change hearts. They do the opposite, Jesus said. Instead of fixing the inside and that flowing out of us, they go from the outside to try and fix what's in us. Uh, With religious food that you eat, with spiritual words that you say, with rituals and bells that you hear and smells that you inhale, they do things outside us to try and change the inside of us And Jesus says there's just a total mismatch there between the problem and the solution. What is outside of us can't fix what's inside of us. Human traditions can't change hearts. And again, there's another clash here between Jesus and our culture. Because first, if you look at that list in verse 19 again, out of the hearts come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony. First, I think a lot of people in our culture wouldn't agree that that list is evil. I mean, that just sounds like a really great show on Netflix. There's heaps of shows like this on Netflix at the moment. That's one clash. But I think the second clash is people in our culture don't believe that what comes out of us shows our hearts. If someone in our culture is sexually immoral or they give false testament, they lie, I think people are more likely to say, look, they just made a mistake. They couldn't help it. They're under so much pressure, but they've got a good heart. And Jesus says, no, you don't. Our hearts are evil, and that flows out of us in what we do. It's a little bit like this. Something I prepared earlier. Got a can of Coke. What would happen if I shake up this can of Coke, put it under a bit more pressure? What would happen if I just come over here and open it up? I'll get punched in the face. <laughs> I'll get four punches in the face, I want to recommend. Maybe, maybe even seven. What's happening is that under pressure, what's inside this will come out of it. And it's, here you go, you can keep that. <laughs> and it's the same thing for us. Oh, here we go. Don't, don't drink it straight away. <laughs> under pressure, what's inside comes out, which shows you what was inside all along. It's the same with us. 
Under the pressure of anger comes murder. Under the pressure of lust, we give in to sexual immorality. Under the pressure of craving, we steal. And the fact that we sometimes act on those desires shows what was in us all along. If that's the problem, can you see how human traditions and religion and spirituality and rituals cannot fix that? How could they? They only insult God. They can't change hearts. Only God can. And he does that through Jesus. If you want to, be ple- if you want to please God, if you want to be clean before God, if you want to be accepted by God, you need a new heart, is what Jesus is telling us. And there's no hope anywhere but in Jesus. Uh, this is what God promised, actually, before Jesus came. Here's he promised that we read in Ezekiel. God said, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This is what God promised long before Jesus. And he delivers this by Jesus. Here's what it says in Acts 15. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted Gentiles by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. This is Peter talking just as he did to the Jews. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. A new heart that's flesh, not as hard as stone. A new heart that is clean and washed and pure comes by trusting in Jesus. And this is not a surface fix. Jesus is fixing the problem in us. Human traditions, they can't make us clean before God. They only insult God. They can't change hearts. Only God can make us accepted by God. So if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you choose to trust in Jesus, you will be right with God. If you are a Christian and you have trusted Jesus, you are right with God. Your shame is gone. You stand before God confident and clean. And that list of evils that we looked at in verse 19, they're not true of your heart anymore. In that, they're not how God sees you if you trust Jesus as your king. Even if you feel far from God, even if you feel dirty before God and unaccepted by him and that you worship in vain, you don't. Because our feelings don't change how God sees us. God purifies hearts for all who trust in Jesus, which is such a great comfort. Because I think we all have this sense, I think it comes from our culture, we've all got this sense that I have to do something for God. I've got to clean up my act if I'm going to come to God. That's not how it works at all. God has done this for us. He's given us new hearts and he's changed the way that he sees us. Now, if you know that truth or, or if you're hearing it for the first time, just stop and be amazed at that for a second, right? While we were busy with human traditions and rituals and spiritualities that we just made up, that were powerless to fix the problem, that actually insulted God, God came and fixed the problem in us. That's the last thing we ever deserved. But that's what our generous and gracious God did for us. That's the God we follow. So let's praise that God that he's done it in us and let's become more pure. Because what do do we do with the fact that you and I both know our hearts are not fully cleaned yet? Under pressure, evil desires still come out of us. 
If you trust Jesus, know that God sees you as pure and pleasing and right with him. And also know that God is making us become more pure and pleasing and right with him. So that our worship's not in vain, but it's successful. Our worship is effective. It's worship that he loves. And this is something that God is doing in us. He doesn't just see us with new hearts. He's actually changing our hearts to make them newer. Uh, here's a couple of verses. This is something God does in us. 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Paul prays, Now may our God and Father himself strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes. Or may our Lord Jesus Christ himself encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. God gave us a new heart and is committed to perfecting your heart. And this is also something that we do with God. It's not let go and let God. We work together with God. Here's a couple of verses. Hebrews 13, don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit. Well, James 4, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 1 Peter 1, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. This is not letting go, letting God do it all. This is working together with God. We need to rid ourselves of evil thoughts and evil deeds as Christians because that's not who we are anymore. We're seen as clean before God, so we need to be clean in reality. We're seen as right with God, so we need to live the right way in reality. And I wish that this was just a straight path, here to there, done. Win, strength to strength, win to win. But it's not. We, we can be discouraged in this journey. It feels like two steps forward, one step back, maybe two steps forward, three steps back. It can be really discouraging. But it's a work that we can have great hope in because God is at work in us. In fact, it's almost inevitable. I've got this quote that I show once a year ever since I came to Soul Church. Here's the time for 2022. Let me show you this quote. It's from a guy named Tim Chester in a book called You Can Change. And he says, I used to think sanctification, uh, fancy word, being transformed, being changed, being grown, hearts new. I used to think sanctification was a bit like pushing a boulder up a hill. It was hard, slow work. And if you lost your concentration, you might find yourself back at the bottom. But it's more like a a boulder rolling down a hill. There's something inevitable about it because it's God's work and God always succeeds. The sad thing is that often I try to push the boulder back up the hill. I say, in effect, don't change me yet. I like doing that sin. That's a really profound, insightful statement there. It is almost inevitable because God's at work in us, but we need to work with God. We work together in this journey. So what have we seen? We've seen an offensive claim. Jesus is the only way to be right with God. And other so-called ways to be right with God are actually human inventions. They insult God. They're useless. That is an offensive thing to say. But if it's right, it has massive consequences. As devastating as it is to say, and I feel this, this is a hard thing to say, 
It means that everyone who doesn't trust in Jesus is sincerely wrong. Jesus offends. Jesus offends because he loves us. Jesus offends to steer us to the truth. The truth is that there is only one way to be right with God, which means there's one way to be right with God. Human traditions and rituals, they're useless, but God is willing to do what they never can for all who trust in Jesus. If you don't yet trust in Jesus, can you see that there's only one way to be right with God, but there's one way to be right with God. And if you do trust in Jesus, let's love this truth and let's live this truth. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you have done what we didn't deserve. Though we were busy creating our own ways to worship you, that only insulted you and were useless to change anything. Thank you that you came and changed our hearts through faith in Jesus. Please keep on changing the hearts for those of us who trust in Jesus so that we might put sin to death, so that we might have purified hearts by faith in Christ. Amen.